We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore. And by we, I mean me, as Sean Nash is on vacation and Alex Gibson is doing some volunteer work. Bet you thought I was going to insult them and say something unsavory about what they were doing. Well, we're going to askew the normal formatting of this show as we're doing something of a concept show today. And the concept is how much of the podcast I can record before my son wakes up screaming bloody murder for his next bottle, as this is the only window of time I have to record. So high concept shit here this week on Wrestling Elitist. I'd like to thank you, though, for subscribing to the podcast and listening to the show. If you'd love to continue to support us, please subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Share the show, of course, with your friends in the internet wrestling community. And please head over to WrestlingElitist.com, where we host all of our latest match reviews, articles, and etc. cetera. Uh, posted on Wrestling Elitist last night was my... 25th anniversary look back at Goldberg winning the WCW world title from Hollywood Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome in 1998. Very timely, of course, uh, except I was sick. And so I missed it by like a fucking week because I had a cold running through our house. <laughs> my wife's sick, my baby's sick, and then me sick. So kind of missed it. So I don't know if it's going to get the traffic that I thought it would. But hey, whatever. We wanted to look back and it's a fun episode to so go check that out as well. So Today, we're going to try to get through as much stuff as possible. We have some AEW news and some talk about the G1. And if we do have any time left in the show before Jack wakes up, we'll go over some other things. But first, I want to start off with talking about AEW Collision. Collision is fastly becoming the best wrestling show on TV, and it certainly has been the best one this year. And this past episode, I would say, was definitively the best episode they've had so far featuring a main event of cm punk going over samoa joe and bullet club gold winning a championship eliminator match over ftr we'll talk about those two matches in a second uh there's a difference between the two shows it feels like between collision and dynamite dynamite being more of the sports entertainment almost tna-ish at times and just a clusterfuck and collision is an old school traditionalist podcasters type show and this week on collision was excellent with again cm punk going over samoa joe in their first match in i don't know well over 15 years and i love the storyline that they told and build throughout the show was that punk has never been able to beat samoa joe before he does want to win the owen hart tournament because he has the obsession if you will with the hart family itself and he doesn't know when Samoa Joe is going to fuck him up brutally. And he actually doesn't until he loses uh, to Punk. And then he does the choke out after the handshake, which was a good way to keep the storyline going. And I think that's what's the most impressive thing about Collision is that each week it feels like it's building off of something. And it feels like a continuation. And it feels a little bit more storyline driven. That's not to say that Dynamite doesn't have storylines. That's one of the things that WWE fans will continuously criticize about the show. It's just that sometimes the logic of it is very on and off. Things are started and started and stopped and people disappear for a long period of time. So it's hard to kind of keep everything consistent when there's so much shit getting thrown at you. So it's different viewing styles. I think there's people who love the high energy feel of dynamite and they love that it's so unpredictable and it's fucking nuts and crazy. Uh, I like Collision more just because it feels like a more traditional, old-school pro wrestling show. Uh, the highlight of the show that stole the show was Bullet Club Gold, Jay White, and Ricky Starks going over FTR. 
this was a fantastic match. I'd rated at probably four and a half stars and certainly the best match FTR has had this year. Uh, and it was a breakout moment for Jay White and Juice Robinson. Jay White, since he's come into AEW, hasn't been prominently featured as the top guy and someone who is of the level of a former IWGP champion. That's not to say that they dropped the ball with him, but when you're pushing other folks in the uh, you know the four way pillar pay per view uh, match, pay per view main event, excuse me, and you have Forbidden Door going on, he can get a little bit lost in the shuffle. So now in Collision, he does have the focus to be the top guy, and Juice is also focused every week. I think he's the one guy that's had a match every single week and has done a tremendous job with the spotlight that he's been getting. FTR feels like they haven't been wrestling a lot, but people do forget like and that miracle run they had in 2022, they probably only did have a few matches towards the end of the year, middle of the year, end of the year. I mean, they had their legendary run with the Briscoes. They had that great match with the Young Bucks, but they did have a lot of pauses and they weren't always wrestling week over week. So it seems like FTR hasn't wrestled a lot, but that's kind of normal for them. They do like to do I don't know, less matches as opposed to more, I think. And it certainly allows you to enjoy them and not take them for granted. And I think maybe we did take them for granted after such an amazing 2022. That felt like what they have done in 2023 wasn't nearly as meaningful. And of course, how could it be if you're wrestling the gun club and you're wrestling Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal? So they had a great coming out party for this year. It was a fantastic match full of amazing false finishes. And I think that's one of the things that really stood out to me was how awesome Jay White is at kicking out at 2.9999999 at such a consistent level that made you feel every time that that was the finish. And it ended up being Juice Robinson getting the Duke, and he needed to get a win here. And so uh, they were one of the first teams to actually win one of these championship eliminator matches, it seems like, in such a long time, setting up a two out of three falls for next week on Collision. So it's going to be a great main event. It's also going to feature the finals of the uh, women and men's Owen tournament. It looks like it's going to be Punk versus Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks had a good match over Powerhouse Hobbs. This kind of felt like a match where they could have been booked in a corner, uh, and they try to make both folks look good by not looking weak and protecting both, and sometimes that can really fuck up a match because both uh, superstars and both wrestlers want to look good in the promoter's eyes, and they can't look weak. And this one, Starks won clean, or, or as clean as could be with interference from QTV and Hobbs finally turned on them, much to the enjoyment of the audience. I think that's the thing that is holding Hobbs back. It was a nice try. It was something different. It was a different coat of paint, but ultimately the QTV stuff is so silly and Hobbs doesn't need it and looks like he's going to be solo babyface perhaps. So I like the direction they went with this. Starks really needed a win because his career has been really up and down, push and pause and so forth. And now he's in the finals. He could beat Punk, and Punk could go into a heel turn. Uh, Starks could maybe join Bullet Club Gold, as unlikely as that is. It could be a swerve or something, I don't know, to do to keep the uh, CM Punk and Jay White feud possibly going. I don't know what they do with this. It's nice, though, when you have a final and a big match like this where you don't know who the winner is going to be, and that's always an interesting thing in pro wrestling. Um, Let's go into the G1. So the G1 is kicking off this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. It's 
kind of the best time of the year for hardcore wrestling fans. As you know, the match quality is going to be great. It's an interesting tournament. It's unpredictable. It's New Japan's Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, kind of, if you will. Um, I'm not going to go into every single match on Saturday, uh, but some of the ones that do look pretty good, I want to go over. So let's go into, I think it's a third match. We have Shuda versus Red Narita. That'll be good. Okada is going to go up against uh, America's Sweetheart, Great Okan. I always mispronounce these names, and I sound like an asshole, but Yoda versus Kato. Uh, two newcomers to the G1, that should be good. Yoda had some funny shit that he said about him on uh, Twitter that I saw, so that was pretty great. Hopefully they have a stiff match, and it'll be an interesting contest. Uh, tai Chi is going to go against Will Ospreay, and then Sonata versus Hikaleu. Again, mispronouncing names like an asshole. Apologize for that. And then let's go into day two. So day two looks a little bit more stocked. We have Ishii versus David Finley to kick it off. Goto versus, oh God, Yano. When these both of these guys can be done with the tournament, that would be great. Nothing against Goto, but he's just in the tournament every fucking year. Same with Tanahashi. Um, they're recycling the same guys constantly, and you would like to see a little bit of fresh blood in this. Um, and Yanu, I don't know how this people find this enjoyable to still have him in the G1 every year. It doesn't really break up anything. It's not for me, obviously. I don't enjoy it or get it. Uh, Mickey Nichols is going to go up against Aaron Hanare. Hanare's, um, he is low-key great, too, and that he's building a hell of a year. He had some fantastic matches so far, and I think he's going to uh, be one of the breakouts in the G1. Then you have Shane going up against Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin's also having a low-key breakout year for the new version of Bullet Club. Then the match I think everyone is looking forward to, Shingo versus Eddie Kingston. It's going to be great to see Eddie Kingston in the G1. This is a dream and a fantasy for him. So there's obviously going to be a lot of motion in this. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy so he gets to run the whole tournament. But I think he's going to be one of the breakouts in the tournament. And he's obviously going to just enjoy the shit out of it. So that'll be fun to watch. And it's going to be captivating to see what he does. And there's a lot of inherent drama with that. Tanahashi is going to get carried by Zack Sabre Jr., uh, a match that I'm not super into just because it seems like I've seen this a thousand times too. Maybe I haven't, but Tamatanga versus Evil. And then to main event, Naito versus Jeff Cobb, which should be very good as well. So the what I love about the start of the G1 tournament is you can really do anything here. Guys can take a loss that you think are going to have a good run that could be favorites. You have all the time in the world to build up wins. And so you can give people who are maybe unlikely or underdogs or upstarts the opportunity to get a win here or a surprise victory. And from an announcer standpoint, from a storyline standpoint too, you can say like, well, they just didn't, you know, they're kind of not going at a hundred percent yet. Um, just like they're pacing themselves. It's an easy, natural way to tell a story uh, in a perhaps different way than you normally would. Uh, the G1 is such a great tournament. I like this style a little bit more now prepared to a traditional tournament round robin style, or I'm sorry, a, a, a elimination style tournament, just because it's a little bit harder to predict. And there seems like there's just so many opportunities to run with in terms of storyline. Um, I don't know how much time I'll have this year, honestly, as a new father to watch the whole show. Uh, last year we had posts on the website and followed it very thoroughly. I think almost 
to the date of what was going on with the G1. I don't know if our coverage is going to be so tight this year just with how busy everyone is, but it is something that we do look forward to. And uh, hopefully when life slows down a little bit, I'll get a chance to invest in the G1 again, but I'm going to try to enjoy it as much as I can this weekend. And I know Sean and Alex are both looking forward to it too. All right, got a couple of other topics I want to hit on before Jack wakes up. So uh, it was reported, maybe not reported or just aggregated the SRS story about AEW increasing the number of pay-per-views. It looks like a new TV deal is imminent. Um, We haven't announced where All In is going to be broadcasted on, so I'm assuming that's part of the package. It think would be on HBO Max. I'm sorry, Max, forgot the new name. They didn't want to have HBO on it because HBO is critically claimed and that seems pretentious, which is a hilarious marketing ploy. Um, so, yeah, we don't know like what's going to happen with their TV deal. I think the thing that's you'd want to temper expectations with, I think everyone thinks that there's going to be a big, huge uh, billions of dollars exchange or something ridiculous. And yeah, it makes sense in terms of the numbers you've seen for the Big Ten and the SEC, um, and wrestling is a sure thing, and they've certainly invested in AEW, they being Warner Brothers Discovery, but Warner Brothers Discovery is also doing a tremendous amount of cost-cutting, and there's a lot of uh, changes in executive seating. So who knows what to expect from this? The thing that SRS is reporting is that there's possible increase of pay-per-views that could be a monthly basis. I think that could be a misstep. Um, having them quarterly makes each pay-per-view seem special. The one thing that you can unanimous, unanimously say about AW is that all of their pay-per-views are very, very high quality. They don't have this kicking rocks to the next show that WWE has had for years and years and years. Um, not to go into tribalism, but it's just the fact like the quality of AEW pay-per-views are very high because they seem rare and they seem special. And it harkens back to the childhood of wrestling fans where you didn't have a pay-per-view every week, it seems like. Um, so I hope they don't go full on with 12 pay-per-views a year. That just seems excessive. One of the things that AEW could really run into is overexposure with, again, another show in Collision. Um, God, just this week alone, you have the Battle of the Belts, an unnecessary show that's going to be on as well. So there's a lot of AEW programming right now, and it's wise because wrestling is hot, and it's good that Warner Brothers Discovery is obviously investing in them and sees them as a sure thing. But overexposure to a sure thing is going to be something that you'll see uh, impact football. There's going to be football probably every day next year uh, or the next two years with uh, college conference realignment and expansion and the NFL uh, having games on other nights of the week. There's going to be football constantly because TV executives know that this is the thing that will work and they're going to slowly kill it probably. So you hope AEW is a little bit tempered and how far they go with um, possibly overexposing their product. But it does speak to how hot wrestling is right now. And the industry is doing tremendously well. WWE's numbers are fantastic. Like their uh, ability to draw in Madison Square Garden was huge. Uh, Wasn't the type of show for me per se, but it did one of the best box offices at Madison Square Garden. I think 
I don't know, in the top five or top three ever, if not maybe one of the top ones in the last, I don't know, 15 years or so. So they've done a tremendous job with their business recently too. So yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the details of the TV deal are. I just think um, it's not going to be, it shouldn't be viewed as a failure if it's not the same deal as WWE's or very closely mirroring it. I think there's a lot of things that are changing in the television industry with the streaming wars. And the thing that could help them though, is if there is a looming actor strike, there's going to be a need for more content. And with a writer strike going on for so long and now an actor strike looming, this could be a good window of opportunity for them to get some more dollars out of this. So who the fuck knows? Uh, One thing that we do know that came out this week is Brian Pillman Jr. is no longer under contract with AEW that was released, uh, I think, earlier this week. Um, Yeah, he just kind of seems to be a guy that got shit on by (laughs) the wrestlers. And maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I saw a tweet from Daniel Garcia this week where it's just kind of making fun of him and asking for money and just that he owed him. And uh, I don't know. He just seems like he gets kind of dunked on a lot. Maybe that's just a inside joke and something that we're allowed to see as fans and outsiders. Um, but I don't know, just seemed like a lost soul. So to speak, it just sort of seemed, uh, not like he was fitting in, in AEW. So hopefully if there's something going on, it's getting addressed because a lot of people don't get released in AEW. And I think that's sort of a unfortunate black mark as people who get released, they rejoin the company like Stu Grayson and Peter Avalon. And um, you just wonder like what's making him getting uh, get cut. So who knows? Uh, the other thing I wanted to plug before we run out of time is again, on the website on wrestlinglatest.com, I uh, did post an article about, again, Goldberg going over Hollywood Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome. If you get a chance, take a look at that article. I wanted to get it out on the 6th uh, to be timely with the 25th anniversary of Goldberg going over. But again, as mentioned, everyone in our house got sick. I'm surprised that my voice is holding up. I sounded like Tom Waits for the whole fucking week and just hacking up continuously. So uh, hopefully I don't sound too haggard today. Um, and I think that's going to be it. The other thing that came up this week in terms of news, and it seemed like a nothing burger, but there was a report that after the Raw main event, there was some sort of backstage argument. And I don't know if that got a lot of, that became clickbaity because of the brawl out or wrestling journalists are holding back on not blowing this up because of how annoying and obnoxious the AEW brawl out was and the fallout of that. So hopefully we've learned something. And if it is not a big deal, it's not getting overwrought and expressed as this big thing. Um, just cause it doesn't, it's not needed in the industry right now. So hopefully, uh, everyone gets along. I mean, that's one of the things that like, I get it. Like, I th- you know, you heard that through punks, um, would you say people speaking on behalf of him per se, or that, well, this kind of thing happens in locker rooms all the time, maybe, but I don't know. You shouldn't have to go to work thinking you're going to fight someone. I know it's an interesting job. It's an interesting industry and it's supposed to be this tough guy place, but I'd 
want the human beings involved to just enjoy what they do and not have to fear that there's going to be a confrontation or bullshit or that you have to walk on eggshells. So hopefully everyone did get uh, gets along and everyone is doing good after that. Uh, the, the other thing I failed to mention is we have Blood and Guts coming up next week. It was revealed uh, last night on Dom- Dynamite that the new partners, uh, the new partners at the secret fifth men on both teams are going to be Pac representing the uh, Blackpool Combat Club, which I didn't see happening. Uh, that was a great surprise and that felt really good to see him. And I think that's going to make this match even more of a banger because Pac can fucking go and he hasn't been on TV and he does have an organic reason to dislike Kenny Omega based on their past and then just his nose being injured. So I like that addition to blood and guts and it's certainly a more than adequate backfill for Brian Danielson. And then on the elite side, you have Kota Ibushi, Kota Ibushi who is making his debut. It's cool to see Kota Ibushi. Weird that um, Kenny's neck was about to be broken in that church and that uh, pilmanizing his neck there. And then he just said, go look at the video. And then all the heels dutifully stopped and decided not to break his neck. So kind of an odd way of showing that, but whatever. Everyone loved to see Kota Bushi. He was super over in the audience. So for everyone that thinks like, oh, uh, people aren't going to know who he is. Well, they did know who he was and everyone's excited to see it. And I don't know if Kota Bushi is signed to AEW or if he's just going to be doing rando appearances and one-offs. I think that's more in line with what he wants to do anyways, based on his history and his past. I think his New Japan contract was maybe the first contract that he's ever had. And obviously he was unhappy with that arrangement uh, before he left. So hopefully that's not going to cause any issues between New Japan and AEW that he's there. Um, but I think Kotobushi is just going to do Kotobushi shit. And He's one of the best wrestlers of all time. He's going to add tremendous impact to the roster. It's going to be incredible if he's able to wrestle at all in. Um, Having the Golden Elite together is awesome, and I'd love to see them facing FTR. That would be an incredible matchup itself to see at some point down the line. And I think with FTR signing a five-year deal, that's something you could certainly see. Uh, Other thing from Dynamite that was a big debut was Nick Wayne debuting against Swerve. Um, a little bit rushed, I think, you know, I said before last week, if he would have come out two weeks from now after playing vignettes every week, those vignettes were very dramatic and made you feel for him and gave him a, I don't know, um, someone you wanted to root for a good protagonist, lots of words here. Uh, I liked how they shot those and talked about his real life and his second generational stuff. And it wasn't just the, I have to fill my destiny bullshit that you see a lot with the second generation wrestlers. This was more organic and homey, uh, especially with the wrestling ring itself in the barn in the backyard there, the garage, wherever the hell they had it. It just seemed like it was a low key indie kind of vibe. Um, a little bit more palatable than some of the big time, you know, I was Ted DiBiase's son or I was Jake Roberts' son or I was Earthquake's daughter or whatever the fuck. Uh, this felt a little bit more real and raw. Uh, the kid is, it's insane. Like I saw a tweet that said, it was kind of a funny tweet. They're like, I think he's been 17 for three years now. Um, it's just crazy to think that 18 year old is doing this and he's so in control of what he's doing and the future is going to be very bright for him. I thought Swerve did a great job 
I like the fact that Swerve went over. It wasn't something that I thought he needed to win here, and it didn't shit on his debut for him to eat a loss. Again, he's 18. He's got all the time in the world to build up momentum. Takeshita really recovered perfectly after just having great matches, but taking a lot of losses in all of them just to keep the audience um, getting acquainted with his style. Same thing worked for Daniel Garcia, too. It's not like Daniel Garcia had... Um, a ton of wins when he came over and had some of those feature matchups. He did lose quite frequently too. So it's not the end of the world if someone loses. It's the quality of match and the way that they connect with the audience. And it looked like Nick Wayne did a tremendous job of connecting with the audience. So looking forward to see how that plays out as well. All righty. Well, I can faintly hear some cries and some movement going on in the crib upstairs. So that's going to wrap up the show. Sorry to do it so abruptly, but them's the situation uh just want to again plug the podcast itself subscribe via itunes or spotify give us a five-star review share it with friends in the internet wrestling community you can follow us on twitter at wrestling elitist podcast uh if you ever have a question or anything that you wanted us to talk about in the show shoot us a line uh via our twitter page or even on the contacts page on the website itself at wrestlingelitist.com where we host all of our articles and match reviews as uh things get up uh, again i've been sick for a good week so i'm trying to catch up with the website we'll have some updates and posts later on this week so uh it's been a pleasure sorry for the abrupt rushed hurried nature and haggard nature of the show but them's the situation we'll be back with a full cast hopefully next week rick rude take us away hit the music